Hello guys and welcome back to the Take Up Space podcast. We have got another very special guest on the podcast today. We have got Mr. Dubai. <laughs> we have got Haydar Madi on the podcast. He is an IFBB pro and he is also on Team Pro Coach. So I'm very excited to get a little bit of his journey and also to get a little bit of an insight into his mindset and also the reason why he bodybuilds because Hader's had quite an intense journey. And when I say that someone is relentless to bodybuilding, this guy comes to mind because how much pro shows did you do? Um, pro qualifiers. To, yeah. I did all in all, I think did 12, 12 pro qualifiers. And that was all in 2021? No, they were. So because... I started in 2019 doing them, but right at the back end of the year. So I did four from October to December. And then obviously 2020 was COVID year, but I still managed to do three in that year. Yeah. So I did two in the UK, one in Spain. And then 2021, I did six, I think. Oh my goodness. So let's go right back Five. to the beginning then. Because you started bodybuilding quite late. Mm, so give us like a little insight as to... What the reason why you started, because you were 27, which is obviously a lot later than the majority of people do come mm. into bodybuilding. That's true. So um, I, don't know, I haven't really spoke about my kind of youth much openly on podcasts and stuff like that. But I mean, I guess I better just open up and talk yeah. about that. So I, um, I guess if you like strip it all the way back. My mum and dad split up when I was about 10, 11 years old. Saw a lot of stuff that I probably shouldn't have seen in terms of like, just like a bit of domestic violence and stuff like that. And I don't like to blame things or say that's the reason for how I was the way I was. But I mean, I ended up just becoming a bit of a tear away, let's say, in my younger years. So I was always getting in fights and trouble with people and, and ended up kind of, I guess, going down the wrong path. And by the time I was 16, I was like, just not really going to school much. I guess a lot of people are like that, but I was, I, I think I might have been a little bit more of a level up than people that just wasn't going to school. It was just like getting arrested, doing kind of stealing motorbikes. Like at that age, from where I was from in, cause I'm from a place called Loughborough, which is, a town in between two big cities. So you've got Leicester and Nottingham either side, which are about 10 miles to 10, 11 miles to Leicester, 12, 13 miles to Nottingham. So you've got that kind of influence from the cities there where we were. And Loughborough's known as like a fighting town. So as we were growing up, and because I'm a little bit older than everyone else, this might sound strange, but as, as we were growing up, the, the in thing to do was to fight and be... Like who was like the hardest? It was that. That's what I remember being at school trying to be the hardest person in my year, and it would be like a thing that everyone would ask and talk about. It's so strange when you think about it now, but it was like a fight in town. So it was kind of ingrained in us to be that way, <clears throat> and because we were like the boys kind of thing, that's what we did. So again, fights a lot with other people from other towns from people who I, we thought were our kind of enemies or rivals or whatever. And um, yeah, so we ended up being kind of from 16 
to like 20 odd, we were just getting in trouble doing stuff like that. I ended up getting arrested a lot of times. When I was 18, I was on a curfew. So I was meant to be at my house, house from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. every day. And I ended up going, I ended up being in Cardiff one night. And I ended up having a fight on a night out. I was 18 years old and I ended up obviously getting arrested, then finding out that I was meant to be on a curfew. And then I got remanded to a Welsh prison. So it was my first time ever going to somewhere or doing anything like that at 18 years old. So obviously I'm in this jail, it's called HMP Park. Uh, and I was like, wow, like what the fuck? Like, even though I've been arrested a few times, you get stuck in a cell for a few hours and then you get that out. So it's like nothing scary or nothing yeah. intimidating really after the first time. But then this was a bit like, shit, this is quite, quite, quite intimidating because it was like a, it's not an adult jail. It's like a youth jail. So it's like from, I think it's from 16 to 21 or 18 to 21. And then you go to the man's jail after that. So like everybody's like on it in there. Do you know what I mean? Like proving a point like I was yeah. but outside, but then I've come to this jail, which is hundreds of miles away from where I live, not knowing anybody and like being an English boy in a Welsh jail. So it was quick, pretty scary. Do you know what I mean? So, and would you say that was when you hit rock bottom? No, no, no. no oh, no, keep no. going, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I think that kind of just made me think that, okay, this is not that bad. Yeah. Yeah. So then um, that passed. I ended up coming back to my hometown and stuff, getting out. Because I was only on remand for, for a few days whilst they kind of sorted my shit out. I ended up getting driven back all the way from Wales to Loughborough in like a small... So you have like, they're called group four vans. Uh-huh. You've seen them probably down the motorway when they're driving by. My, my sister. Yeah. Oh, does she my work? She's a driver. Oh, right. There you, go, then. you literally yeah. have like this much space. Yeah, like she's that. a driver. And I was like that for like four hours. <laughs> I, I was like, this is, I know. That was like the worst part of the whole thing. I know. It's take me back to jail. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, and then obviously I got back, ended up going to court. They ended up letting me out and letting me kind of carry on with my curfew and not putting me in jail or anything. Uh, so then from then, it was just like a bit of a life of like, I, I, I tried to be good and then I'd just get back into trouble. So like at 19, so like a year later, I was getting in, again, I was getting in a lot of trouble and I was getting in trouble with people that I shouldn't have been getting in trouble with kind of like blokes that we knew who were like in their 30s and 40s who were like, you don't mess around with them kind of thing. Yeah. And we were getting in trouble with them. So I was like, like I was never stupid. Obviously I was stupid because I was doing stupid stuff, but I knew kind of like my limits, let's say sometimes. I'd, I'd, have to, I'd get some sense from somewhere and think I need to chill out a little bit here. So... At 19, I was like, right, I'm getting in a lot of trouble here now. And I was getting a bit worried for myself because these are big blokes and I was thinking something bad's going to happen to me. Um, and then I ended up, because I was smart, I was always quite clever at school. I still managed to get GCSEs. I ended up still got an A in French. I got a B in German. I got like, uh, I got C's and D's and I managed to scrape enough so I could do something with it. So I ended up... My mum's best mate's husband was the dean of UIC University, University of Wales Institute, Cardiff. 
So that's who I was visiting, their son, when I did that. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so my mum had a word with him and said, can you get him in? Like, he's, he, needs, he needs to do something. And I was like, yeah, I need to get away. So I ended up doing a foundation degree in engineering in Cardiff. So I moved there and um, stayed in halls and I had the whole like university experience. So I did a year there, I got my foundation degree and then I enrolled on the actual um, BSc engineering. And then I was like, oh, this is like, I started getting homesick. Cause I used to go home every weekend pretty much yeah. on the train. Because I joined late. I think I was two weeks late. So I missed all the freshers fair. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have no friends. And, and was you like someone that during that like 16 to 20 year period, was you like out drinking all the time? Yeah. Drugs? Literally. I was that was, that. Yeah. yeah. So then I was just like, this is shit. Like, I'm just on my own all the time. I had like one girl next door to me who was like trying to be my friend all the time. <laughs> and I, and I, I grew up in the era where like boys didn't have girlfriends. Yeah. And I didn't have any friends that were girls. So it was like a bit, always a bit weird for me. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. though like I got on with her and I, she made an effort. So I was like happy that someone was trying to be my friend. Otherwise I would have been on my own. It never really felt right. So like I'd go home a lot and then I was like, what am I doing? So then I transferred to Leicester University. So changed my course to Leicester. So I was right near home again. And uh, all this stuff that I was in trouble with in the, like with those blokes kind of just passed away. And then um, I ended up doing the course and I just hated it. Like I've never been um, anyone, you know, like I don't know if you're the same, but like you, I was always good at like languages and creative. Yeah. So, same. really rubbish at maths and stuff like yeah. that. And I was doing a course yeah. that I had a maths module. <laughs> I was like, I can't do this. Like, yeah. the, the foundation degree was all right. But then this was like heavy stuff, like yeah. proper physics and maths and stuff. And I was like, <laughs> I yeah. know. I've got the exact same yeah. background as you, though. Yeah. Like coming from, because I used to stay in a place where it was completely out mm. in the outskirts of a city yeah it was all like gangs yeah. and it was literally there was like two towns right next to each other yeah. they used to to fight and so i was in that mix exactly. but i went on to do engineering really? <laughs> as yeah. well yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i was just like i can't do this so i ended up dropping out after probably half a year of my first year in 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 that degree course and then and then I was like, all right, now what kind of thing? So I was in my 20s then. So I must have been like 2021. 20, and um, I started, so what year would that have been? I have to do some maths now. Because it's quite significant to what I'm going to tell you, yeah. 96, 95, 94, 93, 92. 1992. Yeah. No, it's not 92. <laughs> it would have been. It can't be. It's got to be, because I finished school at 16 at like 2000. And oh, two. yeah, it would be 1990. Yeah. So it would have been like another, another four, five, six. Yeah, so it's probably around 2008, maybe like that, 2009. Yeah, something like that. So then like, then I got into just selling bits and bobs and, and making money like off my own back, doing... Just selling gear, basically. Yeah. 
And, and was uh, you body was you training at this point or was it just um I started training at U at university. I started yeah. going to the gym a little bit. Just kind of training because I didn't really have much else to do and I wanted to look a little bit better. Yeah. But I mean now I've not really spoke about it. I've missed all this out. But I was heavily into sports as a kid. Yeah. So like I used to do a lot of MMA as MMA kind of started growing a little bit before that I started off in taekwondo and a bit of boxing but I used to play football all my life like I was really into football like I used to as a young young kid I'd just get the ball and just go and play on my own one of those so like my my kind of athleticism and stuff was always there throughout so then obviously that kind of transitioned when you realize you're not that good at football and you're never going to make it kind of thing you always needed something else to do so I think that gym kind of replaced it, but I was not serious. Yeah. Didn't really know what I was doing or what was, I was eating or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Was you like pushed to do sports when you was younger, like yeah. growing up? Yeah. But I wanted to as well. Like it would be like a thing, like although my dad wasn't that close to me, like one thing I do remember is like we used to watch football on a Sunday. So like that would be like the thing that we, it used to be Channel 4 used to put um, Italian football on every, every week. <laughs> So we didn't have Sky or anything like that, so we couldn't see like the proper Premier League games. Yeah. But yeah, I remember stuff like that. So football was always a big part of my life. So yeah, um, back to kind of two thousand and nine ish. So by then, then I'm like, I'm making money. I'm going on like lads' holidays all the time, like all the time. I would go three or four times a year, just getting wasted and just partying and having <laughs> fun and like going to the gym a little bit and just to kind of maintain a little bit of a physique and then just have some fun and then yeah that kind of cycle repeated itself but at the same time during all this like I'm still going out and I'm still like getting in fights and stuff on nights out and stuff like that <clears throat> so then 2010 um I remember I enrolled on a personal training course because I was just sick of doing like bullshit I was like yeah. I need to I was like thinking like I need to do something that I enjoy because I can't hold down any of these jobs yeah because I did like fabricating welding for a bit I even worked in a bookies for ages oh no yeah. <laughs> just sitting there because it was like my mate's <laughs> mum who was the manager so I just got a job that easy I just used to sit there for like the shifts were like seven hour shifts and you just sit there do nothing and like all my mates used to just come in the bookies yeah. and sit there because it was like right where we grew up in the in the in the shithole where we grew up. So like everyone had just come in and just sit there with me. So it was like dead easy. But like I was just doing all these jobs that I just knew I couldn't do forever. So I was like, "What do you like?" And I was like, "Training." And I was like, "All right, just do a personal training course." So then I did that, and then I started working for um, a DW gym. That was the first. Gym oh I my for. god. Yeah. It's so funny. Uh, Same. Really? Yeah. Oh God, but no except way. the lads' holiday, but I went away. I was supposed to go on a girl's holiday and then went away to America and worked in a summer camp. And that's when I started personal training. No <laughs> but Crazy. DW was my first gym that I worked <laughs> what in. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, so DW. And then I did that for like two or three months. It was in Nottingham. So it was a mission to get there every day. And um, I couldn't. I couldn't make it work. Like, I just couldn't, like, I had a few clients, but I was always, like, barely making any money after yeah. paying rent. And I was like, this is this is not going to work. So then I didn't give all up on personal training. So I was like, just, like, logic kind of hit me. I was like, you're from Loughborough. Everyone knows you. 
like you can just do it there off your own back. Like gyms were charging like five pound a client back then. Yeah. So like I set up on my own and then just it just went mental. Like I just started smashing loads of clients out. I had a big boot camp that I used to do two or three times a week. So like all of a sudden I had my own business and I was making decent money from it. But I was still doing bits on the side. Yeah. And then um, <clears throat> went I went out one night and then I had a massive, massive fight. And uh, I ended up getting arrested. And then I ended up going to jail for nine months from 2011 to 2012. Wow. I had my birthday in there, Christmas in there, everything. So then that was kind of like the final straw for me. And how, how was it like mentally being in a prison for that long? The, I mean, the hardest thing about prison, I'll be honest with you, like this might sound a bit strange to some people, but I had a really good time in jail. Like, I, really, <laughs> I honestly did. Because, but it's because it's all I knew. Even though I hadn't spent loads of time in jail, all the people that I hung around with and all the people that I grew up with were those people that were in jail. Yeah. So it's like I just fitted straight in. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. though there was like intimidating bits and like you saw stuff that you wouldn't usually see and and you knew that there was a lot of kind of drugs going on. Not drugs that like you go out and party drugs or you smoke weed drugs, like harsh drugs. Like you wouldn't, I wasn't involved in heroin or crack yeah. or stuff like that. And was it, was it hard for you not to fall into that trap of taking drugs in there? No, I, I never, I was never into anything like that. Yeah. Like I would always have my own boundaries and stuff yeah. like that would never ever be. Like I'm quite, quite strong. Like if you, I mean, as you know, if you're, Obviously. Yeah, if, if you're good at, if you're good at dieting, then yeah. you, you know that you've got something in there that can kind of keep yeah. you on the straight and narrow without you ever kind of deviating from that. So that's always kind of been there. If I've ever, like, I used to smoke cigarettes and then I just stopped one day, like we just stopped. Like yeah. if I want, when it comes to a point, I say this to everyone, when it comes to a point with me, if it gets there, then that's it, I'm done. Yeah. Like I remember I lived in a flat once with my mate and there's just so much stuff just kept going wrong for us in that apartment. It was a dead nice new apartment. And one day I just came home and there was a, a crack in the in the sill above the window. And I was like, that's it, I'm gone. Just <laughs> packed all my stuff up. Just <laughs> I've done it. I can't deal with this anymore. So like, I've always had that kind of thing there where when it gets too much, it's just like, right, I'm out. Yeah. And um, <clears throat> yeah, so being in there then, it was like, it was all right. I made good friends that I still talk to now. But the worst thing about it is, the worst, worst thing is every single night you get locked up behind your room, behind your cell door, and you cannot do a thing, single thing about it. Yeah. And that is what used to piss me off the most because I've always done what I want to do. Yeah. You can't stop me doing what I want to do. And then all of a sudden I'm being stopped. And it's so strange because like, the amount of times that you go to get your phone out and you haven't got a phone. The amount of times like you feel a vibration in your pocket and there's nothing in there. And you're like writing stuff down and like taking notes and taking days off the calendars and writing letters to people. And like, it's just, it, like when I say it like this, it is really shit because obviously you like, you have to request stuff like, can you send me this album? Can you send me the, the Lil Wayne album, the new Drake album? And like asking for stuff and like saving money up on your canteen to buy. Because by then I was like, right, I'm, I want to get in decent shape here. 
So I was like, may as well. So like you have like your three meals that you get through the prison service and then you have a canteen sheet. Uh-huh. What you can buy stuff off. So everyone buys like tuna and the packet noodles. Yeah. So like I'd make two of those meals on top of the three meals I was having every day. I'd buy like mixed nuts and raisins and stuff. <laughs> and like I would just try and just get loads of like quite clean calories in. Yeah. And I ended up coming out like getting massive. Like that was when I like got big, not big, big, but to me then I was quite big. So, so, like, so you would say like being in prison was, that was like your turning point. Yeah, 100%. That time there because I just knew, like there's a statistic that 90% of people who go to prison go back to prison. Yeah. And I was determined not to be that in that statistic. Yeah. Even though I'd been as a kid, that was like a bit of um, a freak one because I didn't get sentenced to prison. It's just because I was breaking my my curfew and I was in another city. So they had to just put me in that jail until they got me back. So like I hadn't ever been sentenced to an actual prison sentence until yeah. then. And then that was like, I was just like, this is, I'm not, I'm not doing this again. And um, <clears throat> ended up getting out in 2012 and then... I did my first show in 2013 because I got out and I still didn't know like too much about it because when you do your personal training course, like they don't really yeah. teach you about nutrition. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. Yeah. It's and, just really all anatomy, isn't it? Yeah, literally, yeah. And like an actual physically training someone. Like yeah. when you have a, a pretend client that you've got to train in the gym, they literally focus a lot on all your all like the training specifics more than they do any kind of nutrition. So I still didn't really have a clue what I was on about. Yeah. And at the time I didn't really, I just wanted to get the course done because I wanted to just train people. And I didn't, I wasn't really interested in calories and, and macros and stuff like that because I was always that guy who was in shape because he played football all the time and was quite slim and could get away with doing stuff. So I remember like I did like my own little diet and I just like cut out all the fat just didn't eat any fat at all. <laughs> None. Just chicken, rice and broccoli. <laughs> I swear. But I used to like, I remember I used to like allow myself like a treat and I'd have like sweets and no chocolate. Yeah. Because there'd be no fat in like fizzy sweets and stuff like that. Like, it was, Why you And I used to do like hit all the time. I used to do like hit sprints like yeah. all the time. And then like I was training in like a little kind of spit and sawdust bodybuilders gym. And they were like, old bodybuilders were like, you look decent, mate, you should do a competition. And I'm like, what's a competition? What is it even is a competition? And they like showed me like magazines and stuff and the, the competition was Miami Pro. I remember you doing that. I didn't, I did, I didn't I, end you up did, doing it. No, you did I, it? No, no, I was going to do it. I'm sure, I'm no. sure I've seen you on a poster. No, not me. It must have someone that looked like <laughs> me. It wasn't me, honestly. You are someone that I would imagine doing Miami Pro. <laughs> That's all I knew. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay, I'm gonna do this. So then <laughs> I was looking I was looking at um I think I was on Facebook and that and I come across Jordan Peters. Yeah, I was just a way to ask yeah. that because he was your very first yeah, coach, wasn't yeah. he? So I messaged him and I was like Um he used to coach someone called Adam Parr. Do you know Adam Parr? A guy I'm from sure. Birmingham, like he used to do like the muscle model and then saw a guy called Dan something. And I messaged him, I was like, I want to do a competition. I remember it like it was yesterday. He was like, well, my guys always win. So if you want to uh, let me know, we can meet up and all this. And I was like, yeah. So I remember I drove from my, where I lived in like Loughborough to Essex, where he was at the time. 
it's like a four hour drive I remember I had like took 600 pound in cash because I was still doing bits and bobs <laughs> I was like, yeah, just like paid him for like a few months worth of coaching I don't know what he was charging at the time but um, and that was it I just switched on to like but I was like a bodybuilder from then yeah. on and that was it I didn't look back like all my friends were like what is going on like what are you doing and I was just like cardio, not cheating on my diet. Like I was 100% all in. And um, yeah, so started in 2013 with him. Did a competition towards the end, UK BFF. Because the thing is, I went to see him and I did, didn't have any legs. Yeah. And he was like, you're not going to win if you don't have any legs in Miami Pro. He was like, do UK BFF so you can wear board shorts. And I was like, all right, let's do that then. And then... We did our first show and uh, I didn't place, but I was peeled. Yeah. Like I, like, I definitely should have. And it was a bit weird. So then I was like pissed off. I was like just hungry to do well. And then I did another show and then I got like, I think I got fourth. And then I did another show and I got second. And that kind of, quite, that was in 2014. Like I didn't, like people always ask me about eating post-show. That time there, I didn't have any, I didn't want to eat anything after yeah. the show. I just wanted to get back on my diet and be better. Do you, That's coming later. Yeah. Like years later is do when you, I wanted to eat shit. Do you think it's because you had Jordan though? No, because yeah. I stayed with Jordan for ages. Yeah, but do you think he I, was the reason as to why you didn't I like think, cheat on I your diet or social mess media? Yeah. Because at that time it wasn't that big. Yeah. And then you started, as it got into like 2015, 2016, yeah. then it's all like everybody buying all this food and like making all yeah. these mad cakes and yeah. cookies. So then your brain starts thinking that's yeah. what you should be doing or that's what you should be feeling like. But at the time, I didn't even care. I remember I went out for like steak and pasta after my show and then the next day I was like ready to go again. I'm messaging Jordan like, what are we doing? Yeah. It's it's mental the things that social media literally social yeah. media does. Like I say I started competing in 2013. I only started like everybody does it, so we know we can say it, but I didn't start like binging until like 2015. Yeah. Like two years later. And then like it, it became a little bit of an issue for a year or two then. But <laughs> up until that point it was just like, right, um I just wanted to be better because I wasn't happy that I wasn't very good. Yeah. So like it was like straight into off seasons, pushing up, coming back down. You know, obviously Jordan's yeah. kind of ethos with um, growing and, and and stuff hasn't really ever changed. No. So um, yeah, I made a lot of progress with Jordan. And then 2014 was when I kind of had a bit of a kind of breakthrough year in my in my competitive career, and um, I won the uh, USN Classic at Body Power. It was like a huge show. Yeah. My trophy, I've still got it. It's like <laughs> that big and it's dead heavy. It's like, you know the one that's like, yeah. have you seen it? Yeah. Yeah, it's like a huge trophy. But, um, and then I went through a different, a few different coaches for a little bit. From 2014 to 2017, I, I was with Scott Francis for a bit, who's a good friend of mine. Now he just does like fat Scott, loss and like celebrities. Scott Francis. Yeah, oh, I, thought, I, was, diet. I was thinking of who's the guy who owns Gymshark? Is he not called Scott oh, no, Francis no, as well? Ben Francis. Ben Francis. <laughs> <laughs> he went on a coach. <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it's 
went from one extreme to the other. <laughs> Do you know Scott? You know Scott? No, I don't think so. His name's Francis Diet on oh, no. Instagram. He like coaches like Kerry Katona, like Gemma. What's that Gemma off Towie? The big one. Oh, I have no idea. I don't know. But anyway, he was coaching me for a bit. You know the guy who owns AD? You know that that brand AD. They do yeah. Um, so the owner of that's called Joe Binley. Uh huh. He's from the UK. Yeah. He coached me for a little bit. As yeah. Well. But by then, like UK BFF was so corrupt. Big, it yeah. was unreal. Like, so like it's like they like gave me a win, and then they just like slammed me for like two years. Asked me to get with them coaching wise, and I didn't. And then I never ever placed again. And then. When the uh, MPC came in and took over from UKBFF was 2018. So like I, I carried on competing in 2014, 15, 16, 17 I had off and I had my daughter, my second born. I've got three kids, yeah. by the way. Yeah. So I had my second daughter in 2017. So I come off everything and, and um, didn't really know what I was doing then either. There wasn't kind of the whole yeah. education on PCT and stuff like that. I just came off and just tried to make myself feel better yeah. and ended up having a kid. So, <laughs> And was you... But I wanted to have one. So yeah. Was you yeah. sponsored by JP at this point? I got sponsored by Jordan when he brought his brand out in 2018. So I've been with Dream Bay JP since it started. That's amazing. Yeah. So did you end up going back to him for coaching? Yeah. So I went yeah. back to him in 2017 when I'd had my daughter and I was yeah. living in Saudi Arabia at the time coaching. So I was working as like a... It was a brand new gym and they wanted their personal trainers to be taught how to train in like the Western way. Yeah. So like they, they gave me and Williams for and a WBFF pro, um, a really good pay packet to go over there and just work. So I was over there at the time and I just thought this is a good time for me to kind of get focused back on bodybuilding now. So I did an off season with Jordan 2017 and then competed in 2018 after a year or a year and a half off and I did PCA Wales which was quite new then yeah and then I won that and then I did the first two rows amateur Olympia where Mark Hector turned pro yeah um and I didn't place and I was gutted like proper gutted and then kind of that old old feeling that I had back in UK BFF days of wanting to be better like I was just mega focused again went it through an off season and then competed back end of 2019. And I did Iceland, um, Germany, Amsterdam and Moscow. Yeah. So I did those four shows in like four, five weeks. And I won the first two, just missed out on my pro card. And then I came fourth and third in the other two. And I was like, gone from not placing, gone from UK BFF just screwing me over for years to then like being that close to winning my pro card. And I was like, this is crazy. Like, what the hell? And when did your mindset, like, change? Because, like, you've obviously done a lot of pro qualifiers. Yeah. And not everybody can handle that. Like, not everybody can handle the amount of losses mm. that you've had to have to actually get that status of being an IFBB pro. Like, what is, like after that show, what is actually going through your head that makes you flip the switch and go, go into the next one? Um, I think the first one, the Iceland one, I think it was quite low numbers. So I was like, have I fluked this? 
Then Germany the next weekend was absolutely packed and I won my class and nearly won my pro card again. So I was like, maybe I'm all right. Maybe I'm actually like onto something here. So it was a kind of a bit of like not really knowing what I was about, not really knowing if I was any good or not to begin with. So I wanted to make sure that I actually knew where I stood within this whole competing thing. Because even though I've been competing a long time, it it was like a lot of a lot of kind of dodgy decisions and not really not it didn't give me the um let's say the clarity on where yeah. I was as an athlete because I'd have everyone telling me I was good I'd look in the mirror and think I'm good and then I'd go and compete and get fuck all yeah and I'm just like it done my head in for ages kind of thing and I didn't have very much confidence but I've always been that person I say this to a lot of people I say it to my clients as well I just say like you should always have like a bit of hope like you should always yeah. have something to believe in like you don't have to be cocky or confident or arrogant but believe you've got a fighter's chance and then if you think that you have then you may as well do it so like I just I've just felt like I I wasn't done and I could do something and um for me when I'm winning my class in a competitive class and nearly winning my pro card yeah that drives me on again it doesn't make me think I'm never gonna win it Although that did come to a point towards the end of 2021. Yeah. Yeah. So like at the beginning, it was like, I can do this. Like I'm close. So then 2020 came. I was going to do the Ben Weeder in 2020 in March. And I was six days out and they pulled yeah. it because of, of COVID. Yeah. So I was like oh, sitting there shredded. Yeah. Like ready. And I had, couldn't do it. And then obviously I went into an off season in lockdown. Like luckily I had my mate's gym that we were training at every day. So like made massive progress that year and then um, competed when uh, the UK did those two shows in 2020. They did like the British finals was one and then there was one like two weeks later. Was that the one that was outside? Was that the one I didn't do any of the ones outside. <laughs> <laughs> they were regionals. I think I got away with not doing a regional that Yeah. For some reason. So yeah. you didn't need to get tanned in a field. No, luckily not. <laughs> luckily not. And then I did uh, Spain, the one that everyone did, Cuba, Mark, yeah. Jamie, Johal, literally everyone did that show, Samson. And I got, I got, so I got first in the two UK shows and just missed out on my pro card. And then I got third in the Spanish show, that NPC European. Yeah. And then um, 2021 came. I was like, this has to be the year. Yeah. Jordan kind of was stepping away from coaching. I was going through a bit of a shit time. I was moving to Dubai and I was struggling to kind of be coached. So me and yeah. Jordan had a chat and he was like, look, I think you should um, probably try someone else for a little bit. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I think you're right. Like it felt like I needed to as well. Yeah. I ended up getting with uh, Hyacinth. Yeah. Nasir. And uh, we'd had an off season together, which was actually really good. But then when we started prep, it just didn't work at all. Yeah. Like he, I didn't like what he was doing. Yeah. I was so used to what Jordan was doing. I just couldn't get on with what he was doing. And I believe that, I don't want to say this because it sounds a bit negative towards him and his coaching because he's obviously a world-class coach, coaches some incredible athletes. But what he was doing just wasn't working for me because he would like make a change like a, a food change and then make another one like three days later. Yeah. And I'm like, like I need time to like change from that last <laughs> To <one."> marinate. Yeah. <laughs> and then like before you know it, I'm eating dust. Yeah. And I'm doing, he had me doing hit like every other day as well. 
and I was just feeling battered and I was like got to the point where I was like three weeks out and I was behind I was like I need to do something about this so I was like look I can't work with you anymore I'm sorry yeah. I'm grateful thank you spoke to Jordan just before I did that and he was like look if you want me to step in I will because I explained to him everything and he was like yeah that's not right like he wouldn't let me take Anavar stuff like that he said yeah. like, like it was like weird stuff that he was saying that didn't really make any sense to me so I got back with Jordan and he just absolutely smashed me like <laughs> he killed me for three weeks but then I was probably the leanest I've ever yeah. been as well so I remember on the day I was flying out to Spain to compete, he was like, yeah, don't worry about cardio today. Just do 20,000 steps. <laughs> and I was like, what? Sound. <laughs> <laughs> My flight was at 6am, uh-huh. right? And I had to fly from Dubai to Madrid and then hire a car and drive four hours to Alicante. Oh my goodness. And I'm like, how am I going to get 20k steps in? <laughs> like, How? So I'm like up at 3am, I'm walking around the marina to get as many steps as I can in, I get to the airport, I do as many as I can in the airport, I'm on the flight, I'm walking up and down the airplane, everyone's asleep and the people are just looking at me, I thought, they must think I'm just trying to rob them or something, yeah. I'm like walking to the back of the plane, just like that, I get, I land in Madrid, while I'm waiting for the bags, I'm just walking around the baggage reclaim, just round and round and round, I get in the car, we do a stop halfway through this four-hour journey so I can get some steps in. Get to Alicante, I'm walking around where the Airbnb is. I have no idea where I am. I'm just walking round and round and round and round. I walk back in the door at the Airbnb at midnight and I just hit 20k steps. I was like, it's the most stressful day of my life. But it, it just shows you what your mentality is actually like, though, mm. because not many people would do that, but... That's the thing, when your goal is as big as yeah. what yours what like is, and that is to win your pro card. Yeah. If if Jordan told you to eat ice cubes yeah. for that whole day, 100% you would you would have done it. Well, I think you're the same, aren't you? Like I don't know if this is the same as how you feel, yeah. but like there's something inside of me that when somebody says or somebody I respect or my coach or whatever, and I and I and I know it's gonna get me to my goal, if they say do that, yeah. There is nothing in this whole entire world that could stop me doing it. Yeah. Like, I have to do it. Yeah. And if I didn't do it, I don't know how I'd feel. And I don't want to know how I'd feel. Yeah. Like, I'd be beside myself in, like, shame. I'd be, like, you know what I mean? I'd feel like yeah. crap from But it. that's what it takes. Yeah. And I would say the majority of pros have got that mindset. Yeah. And that's a thing that, especially first timers, I think people that come into social, uh, come into bodybuilding for the wrong reasons, mm. don't either make it to stage yeah. or they don't get in condition because they're not willing to to I, do whatever it takes. I agree, and I think a lot. I think for me, a lot of it stems from when I was young and like having that kind of big sense of pride and like yeah. doing what I say I'm going to do and following through on what I say I'm going to do. And like, some people will say that this is a bad thing and I can understand why at times it could be because it can be detrimental to you and how you are as a person and maybe kind of have a negative impact on your life. But I have to do, if, if I, like my sense of pride is, I have so much pride that if I say to you, I'm going to do something and yeah. I don't do it, then it'll just eat away at me and I have to do it. Yeah. Like it's very, very big for me. And I think that that's kind of something that you just have inside you, I think. Yeah. And you can't get rid of it. Yeah. It's like, 
what I think that's what people don't have. People, a lot of people nowadays are like, it's okay to sack it off. Yeah. It's okay to, to quit. It's okay to cheat or, or, or just not turn up that day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I think that is what's up with today's society. Yeah. It's like people don't have that in them anymore. Maybe it's because I'm older and it's a bit old school mentality. I don't know, but it's not. It's it's, it's a mindset that you, that yeah. you need. So yeah, I Is just he... I just think that people nowadays are too okay with not being good, not being great, yeah. and not ticking all their boxes. For trying to find an easy, yeah. easier way. Yeah, that's the problem with social media. Mm. Everybody's trying, or the questions that come into the by JV's site as well. People are always looking for a quicker or easier, easier (laughs) option. But how do you deal with a client then that has not got the same mentality as you? Because not everybody is like us. And that's totally, totally fine because not everybody has got goals like what we do. But how do you, how do you deal with a client like that? I think that you do by default, attract a lot of people that are kind of similar like you so i don't find i have to dig people out that often for not for not doing what they need to do obviously it happens you know what i mean but i i find that a lot of the people i do attract are people that are kind of on my wavelength and know about me and know what i'm what i do and stuff so um but when but when i do i mean i am sympathetic i'm not i don't just fucking bollock them do you know what i mean but i will i will always end it with like do you like this might sound cliche this might sound cheesy but how bad do you actually want it because if you really do want it then you will do what i tell you to do because you know that's what you need to do yeah so it's on you if you really want to compete and want to do well and want to win and want to turn pro then you need to just get on it and do it and be a robot and switch off from everything else that's outside like you can do it anybody can do it you like if i can do it and you can do it why can't anyone else do it we're not anything different. We've all got the same kind the of... Same 24 hours in yeah. a day. <laughs> but I mean, we've all got a yeah. brain. We've all got a heart. We're, yeah. we're all built the same as human beings. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... And, I, I, and I, they say that things like that can't get taught, but I think they can. Like, yeah. I've had a client that was... Uh, recently, I had a client who last year was shit. And this year, he's fucking incredible. Like, sometimes it takes something to yeah, give them a bit of a kick yeah. up the arse and then the next level. Yeah. So, yeah. But, yeah, so then, I don't know where I was now. And then it came to 2021. And I was in Alicante. <laughs> I played second in that pro qualifier. And it was probably the best I'd ever looked. And then the week after, we had a bit of a disaster in Portugal. I uh, know. Was that the one <laughs> that you didn't get in? No, that was that was Norway. That was <laughs> oh, Norway. <laughs> <laughs> all these stories I know <laughs> <laughs> so basically what happened is Jordan kind of he called me up for the show did the show and then he was like go out and eat some sushi after so I went out and had sushi after but what we didn't really take into account was the show was only five days later because it was a little bit earlier so I think the Spain show was on the Sunday and this was on like the Friday or the Saturday in Portugal but Jordan didn't deplete me again from then. He just like kept me like my ba- my like baseline food and then carved me up again. So I just spilled over on stage. Yeah. Like I was still shredded, but I just was pouring with sweat on stage and it just ruined my looks. Obviously I was just soaking wet. So then it was just like, ah, oh, fuck's sake. And then obviously Jordan hadn't 
took over as my coach. He just stepped in to help me. So then I was like, right, I need to reevaluate where I'm at and what I'm doing. So it was July now and I'd gone back to the UK because I was using my UK as my base for shows. Yeah. So I didn't really know what I was going to do. And then obviously throughout, I've always spoke to Callum, like always. Yeah. And he's always given me advice and like, I know he, I knew he'd always wanted to coach me. Yeah. Um, so like then I was like, right, I'm just going to have a chat with Callum and see what he says. And then I went to see him and I just looked like shit. I was like eating 1300 calories. What? Yeah, I was, I was eating 1300 calories. I was like soft and just look like flat and just flaccid. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm in his house. I'm in his house and I've stripped off for him to look at me and I could see his face thinking, I thought you were good. <laughs> like, like I could tell that's yeah. what he was thinking. Like he was thinking, shit, what have I took yeah. on here? Do you know what I mean? And I was like, oh God. And then uh, he's like, right. I want you to just rest and do nothing and I want you to eat 450 grams of carbs a day, do nothing, just do some steps. And I was like, what? Like, like, even though like, I know, I've been a yeah. coach, for, I started online coaching in 2015, like, I know, yeah. but I'd never been told to do that. Yeah. No one had ever, this is something else that might sound a bit weird, but something like, my body's very resilient as well as my mind. Like I, I, I think that your genetic makeup, like where you're from and stuff like I'm from the Middle East, so I'm an yeah. Arab. So like my ancestors and stuff are born in the desert. So like my body can take a lot of yeah. hammer, but obviously at this point I couldn't. So I'm like never been told to just do nothing and back off and, and all this. So like that really did my head in. I couldn't understand it, but it did it. And my body just came to life. Like I just looked crazy. Like I dropped loads of weight and I just looked way better. So then... Me and Callum started working together and then we did, and this is when we had like the pro card run. So then we did the Spain show, the next one, which I came third in. Well, I was a bit disappointed with it, obviously. Then the weekend after we did Poland and I came second. And then the weekend after we did Finland and I came first and missed, just missed out on my pro card. And the weekend after I went to Norway they didn't let me in the country. Crazy. That And that broke my heart. Like, yeah. I was like... Into and did you like mentally think, this is me, this is me done here? So like that did come into my head and I was so upset. I was getting messages off like Ian and I was getting messages off the head judge saying, oh, this was your show because he judged me in Finland. And he was like, if you'd have been here, you'd have won this and all this sort of stuff, which, which was nice. But at the same time, it was a bit of a kick in the teeth at the same time. I was like, yeah. this is... So I remember just walking through the airport on the way back. I, I went mental as well. Like I kicked off like crazy in the Norwegian airport. <laughs> and everyone was trying to like calm me down. Like, yeah. we're going to get arrested. And I was like, you fucking horrible bitch. I was like, <laughs> fucking ruining my fucking day. I was like, what do you get out of this? <laughs> it was all the COVID stuff, wasn't yeah. it? And, and it was like, you needed to have, if you hadn't had a vaccine, which we hadn't, you needed to have a valid reason to travel. And obviously, like, there's always that, oh, right, the sporting events, is this a sporting event? And and they were like, we've got a list of sporting events. Two bros, two bros isn't yeah. on here, so fuck off, you're not coming in. And I was like, oh. So that did my head in. And anyway, Callum's like, look, you need a break. Your body's tired. Your brain's fucking fried. Go back to Dubai for six weeks, chill out, and then we'll come back and we'll compete in Denmark. 
And then I was just like, right, in my head, I was like, this is the last one. Yeah. In my head, I, yeah. this, the first time I'd ever thought it, I was like, if I don't win it here, you're done. I'm done. I was yeah. like, if I don't win it, I'm not going to win it. Like, yeah. That's it. Like, I can tell that it's not meant to be. So, yeah, um, had a bit of time off just eating and chilling for a bit and then just hit prep hard. And yeah. I did bring like my best package ever. And then went and did the show and then it was an amateur Olympia and then ended up winning the overall. I know, amazing. I know. And like, I was always a bit fearful as well because it was an amateur Olympia and I was always like, I know you shouldn't care about what people think, but because I'd tried so many times, I didn't ever want anyone to say, oh, we scraped a pro card, getting yeah. third or getting second. Yeah. Because I won the whole thing, it was like a bit of like vindication. Yeah. Like I was like, fucking yes. Like, I'm, this is. Finally. Yeah. Like, it must have been be. so emotional it was. for you as well. Like, especially after that whole time. But what would you say your biggest failure is when it comes to bodybuilding? Uh, As in, like, the whole process? Yes. Biggest failure? I'd say in the last few years, but I wouldn't call it a failure as such. I think I could be better in my off-season. But yeah. I've got three kids and a family at home, and I feel like I can't just be 100% as a... Like, I don't get me wrong, I eat all my meals every day, and I am very strict compared to most people. But there are times, like post-show where I switch off and I have just family time and Good. go and do water parks and eat one, <laughs> one, two meals a day and stuff like that. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I believe that's probably my biggest thing where I could be better, I yeah. guess. And what is something that you would give the listeners? Because there's a mix of both male and yeah. females that listen to the podcast. Okay. Like, what is your biggest, like, piece of advice that, that you would give them? Um, I mean, I think... Being as though I've spoke so much, and I'm sorry. Yeah, <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. I'm but, just worried because Mads, uh, yeah. is, Mads is in next. Yeah. <laughs> like, I've kind of opened up a lot, which I haven't ever done before. So this yeah, is But it was like good because everyone, I think it's really inspiring. I've never wanted to do it because I've always been fearful of being judged on it and but, stuff. But so. at the end of the day, your journey is extremely mm. inspiring. And if you can do that and get through that and through the environment that you yeah. was in for such a long period of time and the fact that you started bodybuilding at 27 when I get clients come to me at 18 and they're like I'm too old <laughs> it's it's all yeah. in the, it's all in the mind exactly I think you've kind of nailed it there I think, no you, I, I, I knew <laughs> but I mean like I think no matter what you've been through and yeah. what you've done you can always be better and you can always yeah. change and there's always an opportunity for you to turn things around so I just don't think anyone should ever give up on I know it's cliche and stuff, but no one should give up on a dream of being better. You don't have to be a bodybuilder, but if you can, if there's an opportunity for you to improve your life and you've had enough of what you were doing because it wasn't serving you right, then you should go ahead and give it a try and don't ever think that you're done because you're not. Yes. Smashed. <laughs> thank you so, thank so you. much, guys. And thank you all for listening. I will see you all in the next one.